0: to the clocks, he you go on the knocker, third 200 centimeters, you can't do that. Got to Perkins threw a bit of traffic, oh. the right foot, Nana, that is just class.
1: Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch, to talk everything
2: Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant, with me is Scott... Hello everyone. Uh, good to be back. Uh, we're talking, uh, what is it, trade time at the moment. A lot going on with Aston Football Club.
1: The last 15 minutes with our CEO. <laughs> yeah,
2: we'll, 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 we'll discuss that quickly. Um, but look, we want to introduce a uh, special guest. Uh, people who know the show We've had kind of the Essendon-linked journalists, we will say, uh, onto the show. We've had the, the coach on, we've had Josh Marnie on, all that, yeah. all, all those, Kevin Sheedy and everyone on like that. We wanted to have a bit of an outside-the-bubble view and, and, and chat about the Essendon Football Club because yep. we're, we're ready for some hard truths, uh, so, and there's no man that, uh, that probably is better than David King. So welcome, David King, to the Lunchtime Catch-up podcast.
0: Yeah Grant get Scott uh, thanks for having me on I, I love these sorts of podcasts I think they're fantastic for you know each little fan base and you can you can talk your truths you can talk your own lies internally if you like and <laughs> uh, share that pain together and get through it together and you know, I regularly go on the North Mold one just to you know just to debrief and probably just Share the passion, and that's all it is. It's just a passion, and I'm sure you guys have that for Essendon. I don't necessarily have it for Essendon, but uh, I've been a bit of a fan of the Bombers over the last few years. That's uh, so I'm not. I'm not horrified by coming on. I'm not the enemy coming on today. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Look, uh, I probably just got to address just for
2: our fans. Uh, literally, it just happened while we're on Zoom. So uh, the, the board of the Essendon Football Club has accepted the resignation of Andrew Thorburn uh, as CEO. Uh, you know, um, I <laughs> don't even know what to say with that. Still processing it, if we're being honest, because it's literally just happened 60 seconds ago. Uh, no doubt a lot of noise happening uh, around. Uh, I mean, you saw the Age article in the Herald Sun article about, uh, I guess, his church involvement and everything like that. Look, to be honest, I'm not going to get into that, all that sort of stuff. It's a very, very frustrating moment again. Uh, we've well, talking to David King. We're probably both frustrated as North Melbourne and Essendon fans, uh, this week about, uh, what, what's been happening, but let's just hope the, that, uh, David Barham, who I do rate, uh, can, can, um, work out a plan B and, and get this club back on track. So David, you've only just heard the news and do you have any thought yourself?
0: Oh, look, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. No one wins when these sorts of things happen. Um, I feel sorry for all parties, you know. Yeah. No one works harder than what David Barham's doing at the moment. He's, he's putting a, a power of hours in and, you know, your club and, and, and my club are, are very similar at the moment. There's a lot of balls in the air, a lot of uncertainty. And what we do know is unless you've got all those positions filled and with the correct people, it's impossible to, to have long-term success. So, you know, strike one, go again.
2: Yeah. So, look, we, we won't go too much into it, um, but I want to get to the big elephant in the room. <laughs> so. No doubt, last week the Essendon Football Club announced their senior coach. Now, this is going to be an interesting one because, and I can see you're very much evilly smiling here in front of me on Zoom. But um, what are your thoughts? Uh, look, I did hear some some of your thoughts initially, um, just having a bit of caution on Brad Scott. Uh, obviously, many Essendon fans only see the basic data of his time at North Melbourne? Like they go, oh, 50%, that's not too bad, two prelims. Did they have a magnificent list? You know, maybe not. Um, did he get the best out of them? Maybe. And that's that's the kind of, I'll just see be honest, that's the kind of chats we're having internally. How do you assess his, his time at North Melbourne, then his time in the AFL? Do you think he could have matured from that and grown to be prepared to coach a side like Essendon?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's no secret that we're not best mates, Bernie Stretch. Um, You know, I thought he did a really uh, quite a pretty good, a very good job for the first probably four to five years at the Kangas, and then we have a difference of agreement on the last four to five years at the Kangas. You you can make your own uh, assumptions on that. Uh, Was the list good enough? It's clearly not the list that he's walking into here with Essendon, and we'll get to that later. And I think he's got a special opportunity with this group um, that's got a, a few deficiencies in terms of the way they play and the system you've had over the last few years. And if you can get that right, there's some fun to be had. So are you a better coach second up? You have to be. Absolutely. You've yeah. learned from you know so many sins of the past. And we all make errors when we're learning on the job. Uh, and unfortunately, that is that is our code, isn't it? You learn on the job. Um, whilst you're the head of the organisation, it's quite bizarre, really. But no, look... What we do know is that Brad Brad's a ten year AFL coach. They're hard to find. You want an experience, you're going to get that. Um, you get a, you get a better opportunity with this list. You got a bigger, a bigger fan base, bigger um, better facilities. Everything that he had at the Kangaroos has been upsized by mm. by twenty percent minimum. So you get a great opportunity to have success. And you can make your own mind up. I'm not here to, you know, We're on an S podcast. Let's talk about what's what's in front of us, not uh, not the downfalls.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And now, if I, I always like to do this with um, the ex players um, and officials and, and stuff that we that we interview, because I I I'd, Killed to have played two hundred and forty-one games, David. I really would. Um, so I, I do like to give the odd stat of the people that we're talking to. Two hundred and forty-one games. Yeah, this is Wikipedia, so I may or may not be hundred percent right. Two forty-one <laughs> games, one forty-five goals, two premierships. Uh, where else are we here? Uh, Victoria representative, international team honours. Um, y- you've seen a hell of. You've been involved in a hell of a lot of football. You've seen a lot of um, football um, in your role now the list that you just spoke about that Brad's going to walk into. Have you got a couple of bullet points on that you can sum up where we fell down this year? Like, is it, is it as simple as to say that there are bullet points you can give to me or where do you think we fell down this year? And I'm trying to tie that back to Brad in that. What, what is he going to need to do to improve those areas? Do you think?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And, and, Again, you'll each have your own thoughts on whether it's the list, is it the mm. system, is it a combination of both. But let's just look at the talent that's available. And I was really fascinated with the best and fairest finishes mm. mm. and yeah. the age profile of those guys. So yeah. Peter Wright, 26. Merrick, 27. Wealthy, 25. Redmond, 25. I thought Redmond would have won it, to be honest. Yeah, same. <laughs> Ridley, 24. Laverde, 24. You know, Nick Martin was there at 21 years of age. Paris is just coming into his prime merit 24 so i think the list is super healthy and about to really step into the prime years for those really important components Mm. um you know the the the, the continual discussion is supporting peter wright who's that next player to support peter Mm. wright and, and and is the back six are they as good as what we think they are do we overvalue them do we overrate them I think the talent's there, yeah. And you've got you've got those senior players like you know, Dylan Sheil. Uh, J- Jake String has become a, a really bankable commodity as a, a strike uh, midfielder. I, I, I love the leadership of Merritt, uh, and I think that he should he should be a captain going forward, just the way he prepares and the way he plays. There's other players that we don't talk a lot about. I think the the, the core of this group guys like Langford and Snelling are so important to this midfield that when they weren't there um, they were exposed defensively mm, agree. Mm-hmm. I think they're really important com- uh, contributors to your midfield you got a wild card in the ruck in Sam Draper and a guy that's waiting in the wings in Brian that I really like um, that we just haven't seen much of and then there's the unknowns of that that next wave down you know the 21 and under. Um, And there's some talent in there that we just need to see more of. We hardly saw Nick Cox. We've hardly seen Zach Reed. Archie Perkins I've spoken about, you know, in glowing terms. I think he's going to be a star. Hobbs showed us this year that if you just give him an opportunity in the midfield, he's a a player that sees gaps. He's a bit like like Shane Edwards at Richmond. He sees holes. He sees exits, ways to, you know, leg drive and get out. I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player, um, so I think I think this list is really strong, and I get I get bemused by Essendon fans when they come at Adrian Dodoro or they come at the state of the list. I think the list is really solid. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but they're in the, they're in the right. <laughs> Demographic to, to really
1: launch now. Now, funny you should say that, David. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to interrupt Scotty real quickly on that one. I am a massive fan of Adrian Dodoro. Right now, I, I, I call him the Big Red Fire Engine. Just just because <laughs> I've never met the man, but hopefully he 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 wouldn't mind that. Um, I, I speaking honestly though about Adrian Dodoro, the the thing that everybody just tees off that he's been there too long and that we haven't won a premiership in 20 years and and he hasn't done his job. It's it's come. It's more than just the, the the list hasn't resulted in a in a premiership. I reckon that he's done a good job with the position the club has given him at during the trade period. I think he's of of the um, the recruiting people within the AFL. He's known to be tough to deal with or unsociable to deal with and that sort of stuff. But to the benefit of the Essendon Footy Club, he negotiates really really well. He selects the likes of. Uh, Nick Martin out of nowhere who's who's got real close to a nab rising star um and he he finds value at merit at pick 47 yeah, or wherever he was, 26, 26 or wherever he was, he finds benefit to, to the Essendon Footy Club. And when two, three, four years ago, when we were a destination club of choice, whatever that means, um, we got Stringer, Sard, Smith, Shield. Um, we got all of those names to come to the club yeah. and it was all done by Adrian. So I'd, I rate him in a big way. And I think we should absolutely keep him for some stability in that area.
0: So, so we're talking to the Essendon people here, right? So, so I did some work today. I thought if we're going to do it, let's do it properly. Uh I only really judge these guys on top thirty picks. It's picks between one and Uh thirty. Outside of that, it's a it's a raffle. And if you if you land one, they're almost bonus picks. Yeah. And and you can set up a premiership by getting three bonus picks right across two drafts, or four or five right across two drafts. So. Have you got time to step it back and, just, and yes, let's mate. just talk about? So I went, I went right back, okay, because I think when you look at the list now, we're, we're talking about the end of Hooker, Hurley, Zaraqus, those guys, yep. right? So that's our starting point. That that that, that draft uh, was way back when was was right back when, you know, the 07 draft, really. Yep. Yep. So if you want to track forward just fractionally and, and come to say 2010. A draft impacted by Gold Coast having one, two, three, seven, nine, ten, eleven. 2, 10, 11. You land Dyson Heppel, who's who's going off one more year. Now, were there better at pick 8? Were there better picks? Prestia was at 9, and maybe there were some better credential players along the way. But you've done pretty well with Heppel yep. at pick 8. Mm-hmm. And then you get a couple of wild cards. Hibbert in the preseason, Josh Jenkins as a rookie. Severely impacted draft. That's a win for me. 2011. Yeah, Elliot Kavanagh, I can't remember much about him. past nope. pass. Yep. It was a really skinny draft. It was a low-quality draft after that, if you have a look. Mitchell was already a father-son, Tom Mitchell, that is. Um, and at pick 30, I think, was, was Elliot Yo. Yeah, but outside of that, it was a pretty poor draft because the GWS had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 9, 10, 11. Yep. So you're operating from a really limited base. Yeah. You get the Asada the situation where you're banned from the first two round of drafts in 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. So I think it was really clever to trade out um, Cramery, get pick 26 to give you the opportunity to have one pick inside 30 and get Zach Merritt. What a boom that's been. Mm-hmm. You, get, you get Fantasia at pick 55. You get um, Ambrose as a rookie pick at pick 26, who was a reasonable player. But if you weren't banned from that draft, you would have had, I think it was picks 10 and 28, which could have ended up being you could have walked out of that draft with Cripps, Merritt, Lob, and Fantasia, okay? It didn't happen because you were banned. Yep. 14, banned again, lost pick 12 and 30. Now, around those picks was Lever and Maynard. So you get pick 17, it became Kyle Langford, who's still going pretty well, played 100-odd games. Laverde at 20. What's he play? He's played probably 70-odd games as well, yep. maybe a fraction more. So, again, that draft could have been Lever, Langford, Maynard. So I don't blame the recruiter for not having the picks, so then you go to 15, you pick fives, Parrish, good pick. Pick six, Francis, hasn't worked out. Yep. That could have been McKay or Kerno, and that's what people will come back to, and that's justified. That's okay. That's an error, that pick. You have to call it. But at pick 30, you get Mason Regman. So, I mean, you, you can't argue every pick. With You get Mitch Brown in, in, at pick 54. You get uh, Tipper as a rookie pick who, who plays 120-odd games. Then, then you, you, you get obviously the, the impacted list problems. You get pick one. Uh, you get M- McGrath. Now, could you have got Taranto and McCluggage? Would it have made any difference? Would they be better players if they are at Essendon right okay, now? There you Carrara? go. Yep. I, I don't yeah. know. In the rookie pick, p- rookie pick one, you get Sam Draper. At pick six, at pick uh, pick twenty two, you get Jordan Ridley. It's one of the best and fairest already. Yep. So I, I, I don't think that's too bad. And the next year, picks. You, know, you, tr- you, trade, you trade your picks out. It costs you pick 11 to get Devin Smith. Devin Smith, the pick 11, was Aiden Bonner. Mm. I think Devin Smith's been a far better player than yep. Aidan Bonner. Stringer costs 25 and 30. That's a bargain in hindsight. The dogs mm-hmm. use those picks to get Josh Shackey. So who would you rather have, Stringer <laughs> or Shaky? Yeah. Wolfley's at pick seventy-six, an absolute steal. Just finished high on your best and fairest. Yep. Okay, everyone talks about Dylan Shield costing um, pick nine and a future first rounders. Those picks become Jai Colbert, who's now at your footy club, <laughs> yes. and yeah. Miles Bergman, who really hasn't set the world alight. Yep. Um, and, and in the mid-season selection, you get Will Snelling, steal, great pick, really good player. Love Will. Yep. Um, Pick 19, you have one pick inside 30, and it's Harrison Jones. Still only played 30-odd games. And then at pick 38, you get Nick Bryan. I'm in love with Nick Bryan. I really am. I wish he had a chosen Chad Warner for you guys at pick 39, but he didn't. (laughs) Um, But after those two picks, it's pretty barren. Okay, we all talk about the 2020 draft where you got the three kids because you lost Sarden Who You got Cox, Perkins, yep. and Reid. Now, we, they're unknown at the moment, but you get Sam Durham, who looks like a player in the midseason uh, for an absolute steal, and you get Peter Wright and, and Nick Hind for nothing. Um, so I, I think when you look at the whole thing in totality and you're reasonably fair about those picks between 1 and 30, I think he's done an outstanding job. And I can go through other clubs as closely as this and they come up miles behind mm. to me it's not about the talent you've got on the list it's the way that Essen have wanted to play and, and this is the perfect opportunity for this club to reset with Brad play a bit more defensive maybe it's not as attractive but it'll win you more games ladies Mate. and
1: gentlemen of the, of the the defense rests <laughs> <I did laughs> know. now that's that's just saved me a hell of a lot of thumb movement on uh, the Facebook page <laughs> David I appreciate that thank you
0: well, it's just, I mean, I, I understand that people blame recruiting and to give up first-round picks or multiple first-round picks comes with a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, but you've got to have a look at what happened to those picks. What did those picks become or who did mm-hmm. they become or who could they have been? Now, again, I go back and it would have been lovely to have picked, uh, you know, Dangerfield or, or who, who, who I'm trying to think who that pick was now, but um, – there's an opportunity to get the Dangerfield uh, types back way back when, but I mean you're not going to get them all right. When you picked up uh, David Myers with pick six, you could have got Ben McAvoy, Dangerfield or Siereoli, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get them 100% right. At no. 17, 18 years of age, you're going to have a loss a loss rate along the way. So I understand that people are impatient for success, but you've got to steer your anger in the right direction.
2: What, what do you think uh, – look, and I'm just giving you some counter-arguments, right, that yeah, that yeah. You, that we get – obviously the fan base come back to us and, you know, there's no more – Grant cops it when he applauds D'Oro because <laughs> he's probably in the, the 10% than the 90%. But, yep. you know – you'll get an argument to say, hey, our midfielder, midfield is a bunch of 182 centimetre guys and we just look small across the midfield. So even the marking across the ground, we, we hardly win in contested marks and that kind of thing. You know, what would you say around the actual balance of that list, even though individually they might be talented?
0: So, so this brings me, it's probably to my strength area. Okay. So what, when you, when you talk about midfield, what are you assessing? What are you, what are you looking for? What are you, what are you hoping to be? So, I think the best way to do it is to look at the second half of this season. All right, so so from round fourteen onwards, because I, I don't think the start of the season was a true reflection of, of of who you are. So I'm happy to be I'm happy to be called wrong on that. Oh, that's just lack that's, of effort. <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> it was out of whack. Disorganized, Disorganised. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at if you look at the second half of the season, around fourteen onwards. Essendon were brilliant at clearances. Essendon were the best team at turning a clearance, a winning clearance, into a score. The best in the comp. Mm-hmm. Okay, at centre bounces, uh, that they were quite brilliant. I think well, I'm just trying to look at the number here. They were the AFL's best centre bounce scoring. Uh, she
2: was number one in the yeah. AFL. Yeah,
0: but they were the AFL best as a group at uh, scoring from centre bounce. Yep, okay. seventeen points a game. So it's a big starting point now. Does that matter what size those players are going yeah, in? There? Good point. Does it matter? Does it matter who, what they look like? Whether you know like Lockie Neal's probably the you know the number one mm. clearance player in the competition. He's five foot six, Well he's not. I shouldn't say that because people will correct me. He's small. <laughs> he's undersized <laughs> sure. for a midfielder. Now yeah. I get that Paddy Cripps has just won the Brownlow, and he's the opposite. But who who's, who did more damage this year from winning clearances it was probably Paddy for the first six weeks, but mm. after that. I'd mount a case that Lockie Neal was probably you know, the most damaging midfielder stepping out of stoppage.
2: Yeah, no, that's that, that, look, that's a fair point. Uh, look, for me, you know, yeah, it, it was like. You know, even with the Neil argument, I used to say, you know, he's got Barry next to him. He's got he's got maybe maybe guys who can block for him, or you know, just a bigger bodies. That was more my kind of assessment. Is like, do we need now? We have a guy called Archie Perkins who at one eighty six centimeters and really strong hips that I think is the kind of guy that could start entering into that midfield to add that next layer. So, in some ways, you still actually got options here. And I think Hobbs is even though again one eighty two plays a Selwood-y type of of game that's quite blue collar in and under so you're right there's there's, there's, there's machinations to, that can that that Brad Scott can look at next year and go because it sounds like to me he's gonna throw the kids in that just from the the tone of his of what he's kind of saying is like we're gonna be the younger side but I'm gonna uh, if I kind of get the feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna give these kids a chance. Uh, you know and I'm I would just my assumption is he's probably looking at the Hobbs and the Perkins going, we might have some small pain next year but we're going to get these guys in the guts and, and start having a uh, having them kind of a be, yeah. a bit more blue collar I guess
0: so so when, so when, like I said I had the new eyes coming on so I thought better gotta get this right because <laughs> the feedback's usually pretty savage um so as I said win winter clearance. The number one team are getting a one clearance onto the scoreboard. But when they concede a clearance, so when they lose a clearance, all, okay. only, North, only North Melbourne were poorer at stopping that becoming a score.
2: Yeah. So okay. it's all,
0: the old all duck or no dinner discussion, yeah. uh, the old sh- shootout discussion. That won't happen under Brad. That, that won't happen. So that's mm. it to me. That's a structural problem. That's a systematic uh, flaw that yeah. you can change, whether it be with personnel or with just the mechanics of how you set up.
1: Is it just movement, um, David? So is that what you say, like, positioning for the midfielders? Sure, you want yeah, to have honestly. Dylan Shield with a, a clear view or a clear run at the ball maybe or something on those lines, but you've got so, to have guys on the defensive behind the, their opposition or something.
0: Well, you've got to have more pressure on so you don't bleed every time the opposition win it. Okay. You can't be so aggressive as if you do win it, you score, and if they win it, they score, you can't okay. have that. you got to have... Um, so more commitment to pressure, less than a really poor pressure team, and give your back six a chance to then win that next contest with some some dirty ball going forward rather than, yeah. rather than a pure laser-like um, exhibition. Um, and, and I then I also think that not, not, not being a, a, a team that's geared around scoring from stoppage is a, is, is a great luxury to just pull back a fraction. It's not held a skelter. You don't need to play all your aces in there. You can spread it around a little bit. Um, but, but, it, but you've got that as a tool So the point I'm making is So when Brendan McCartney got sacked from the Western Bulldogs mm. He taught all those guys to, to the absolute point of boredom How to win their own contested footy yep. And they hated it Because all they were doing was playing The contested brand of footy with no flair In walked Luke Beveridge Said right, you've got a good handle of how to win your own ball Let's add this, this and this And let's play And all of a sudden, it it worked on both fronts. Mm -hmm. They could win their own ball and they could shoot the lights out with the footy and it goes bang straight away. That's what could possibly happen here. If you can add some defensive gearing to this midfield that gives your back six a chance to defend, still keep that flow, that damage in your game when you win it, but actually shore up a little bit behind the ball, you can win on both fronts and become really damaging as as a midfield and as a football club. So do, do you think it,
1: it takes longer or it's going to take, yeah, take a longer period of time to learn those defensive structures in the middle than it does to, say, the more glamorous forward movements? Because clearly the likes of Dylan Shield, who led the comp in, in uh, clearances for a period of time there, we're good at going forward with the ball. But is, mm. it a, is it a more difficult task to learn the defensive side of it?
0: Well, this has been the frustration – watching Essendon, from an analytical point of view, is that there's never really been an investment of any of any note to, to deny the opposition, to give up a little bit of aggression, to 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 keep some sort of um, capability and rigidity behind the football. They've never really had that. So mm-hmm. if you look at the back half of the year, okay, and I'm big on this, Daniel Hoyne and I track, we did, we've been doing these exercises for a couple of years now and we think we've nailed the profiling of, of, of the trends of the game and how your team's going. So from round uh-huh. 14 onwards, so I'll just run through the four things we value with the footing. So with the ball, Essendon as in total a number one, the comp from mm. round 14 onwards. Yep. So they were the best at moving the ball from defensive 50 to the forward 50. They were the best kicking team in the competition. They were fourth best at scoring once they went inside 50, inside the forward 50. So everyone talks about Peter Wright needs other people. Still fourth best in the comp for scoring once yep. you went in. Um, and so in totality, fourth best team in the comp, give the possession, get it on the scoreboard. So fourth best yep. at turning any possession anywhere on the ground into a score. Tick. That's a great profile. That's best in the competition. Flip it around, the reverse, so without the footy. So when the opposition have got the ball second worst at stopping them, taking it coast to coast, mm-hmm. 18th in the comp for pressure, 17th in the comp for once they go in, putting it on the scoreboard against you, um, and 14th for this is the this is the one I really want to talk about, 14th for winning the ball back off the opposition between the arcs in the midfield. So in the end, 17, 17, 18 and 14 leave you second poorest in the competition mm-hmm. behind only North Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So it, that, that, that's that's a disaster. So you can't be best with it and second worst without it and have any success. You just can't. So I think there's immediate improvement to come to this group, immediate improvement, because they've got such tools that they know how to play. They know how to flow. Yeah. and just some advice, and, and what's your reward? What you what you endorse with your meetings? You know your rewards internally. You don't show the goals. You don't show the brilliance. You show the hardcore effort. You show the you know the pure um, gut running of, of some of your wingmen to get back and help, or you know the defensive actions. Um, and if the players don't do that, they won't play under Brad. They won't. He'll be honest enough to say. These are the standards. You're not going to get first look in the midfield if you can't run both ways. You're not going e- to yeah. be a prime defender if you can't defend. So it can change quite quickly. Yeah, it's an interesting point because we've, we've been,
2: you know, on the show, you know, as much as we loved truck the person and everything like that, we, we we you know, I this is my personal view, you know, when he officially dropped uh, Dylan Shiel and and, you know, through circumstances he ended up, because of injury or whatever, end up becoming the sub. When that happened, it was the first time of someone of that caliber had got dropped by a coach. And we've been calling for it going, we can see that team rules are getting broken. You can see it. You go, and then what did he do after that? He played an unbelievable 10 weeks of football. Now, Kelly, uh, who we got from the Crows, he got dropped then one week and we went, oh, Kelly's been dropped. This was about three or four weeks later. Now he ended up again coming back into sight. He played his best month of football for the club, and and that's where I, my hope is with Brad Scott. That there's cl- clear team rules because one thing that's really lacking at Essendon, they they've got great young talent. They're not like Collingwood that they, they don't have the Pennebry, How, Cybottom, Adams leadership of the thirty year old um, to kind of go look. These are you know almost enforcing the rules. So they, they've got, you know, Heppel's a very kind of uh, encouragement kind of leader, but outside of him, you know, you've got Phillips, who's an older one, but he's a role player. You've got Stuart, who's a role player. You don't have a you don't have anyone else. Maybe Sheila, I think, is 28-29 and Stringer's 28. That's it. And then you've got a big gap from like 26 to, to 18. And we've noticed anyway that those rules aren't getting enforced through older players like we see Collingwood this year. So, yeah. 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 It's it's an interesting. you no,
0: You're right. Cool. You're right. It, 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 you need some tough leaders that to just set the standards. You know, and it's yeah. it's it's usually through defensive actions rather than like I look at Trent Cochin, The brilliance of Trent Cochin is not really what he does with the ball. It's more what he does without the footy yeah. and the sacrificial roles he plays. Um, you know, that defensive midfielder role has been so good for Richmond over the last five, six years. So, no, you're right. Le- leadership's funny, isn't it? You don't have to necessarily be 30 to be a great leader. I think Zach Merritt would be an outstanding leader. I really do because he he, he trains like the stars train. He prepares in yeah. the off-season like the stars do, and then he just he just plays top-level footy every week. Now, he may not challenge many, but maybe maybe he might, when he's given that title... Say well, this is this is what I can do now, and they've got to ask for it. It's okay to be challenged. Yeah, you know, you've got to raise the bar a little bit. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I hope he gets the job done. I think Mason Redmond, be an outstanding leader. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to get the titles. I've got no idea. But um, mm. y- y- you need someone that's going to perform every week because in the end they need to be able to play strong footy and and the in the right manner. Now coming up in the draft, we've got
2: we actually got a pick four, so we've got, we've got a good selection coming up, which I think four and 22. So you've got some good selections coming up. If you, you know, for me, you know, I look at the right situation and there's a guy called Cadman who, who might be av- available, might be, <laughs> at pick four who's a, obviously a very athletic, tall forward. Where, where do you see the holes that you would like to uh, fill in as far as list management from what your observations are?
0: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. You know, There's, it just depends on your philosophies, really, dear. Who, who wins your games? You know, is, mm. it, is it the midfield? Is it, is it the mid-forward that can kick goals? Um, It's it's hard to say. It really is. I mean, it, it, you'll each have your own different ideas. I think what Essendon need, they need system that gives their back six a chance first. I, I've got no idea whether they're Hall of Fame backmen or just nice players. I, I don't know. I think yeah. they're very good. I, th- I think Ridley's a top liner, but he's got to stop playing directly on a man. He's got to become Tom Stewart. Yeah, yep. You and agree. To do that, to do that, someone else has got to sacrifice a bit of their role. You know, Laverty's been chronically undersized playing against the big boys and, and not been able to not with enough support. I see what Geelong are doing: rolling the ruckman back, freeing mm. up the Coning. Is that something that Crystal look at? You know, his yeah. brothers found a way to use a ruckman to support the backline. Yeah. We haven't seen it before. So if you did that, does Laverty then become? a better player, a, a better intercept marker. Um, I, I, I just, I don't really know what they'll take, um, but it worries me that we don't see enough of Harrison Jones and we don't see enough of Zach Reed. So if, yeah. if the tool is available and he's of the quality that everyone keeps talking about, I think it's a no-brainer. Mm. Um, and you just, you just hope that... In the end, those guys are competing against each other for a spot, and you're having trouble fitting them in because it means you're going pretty well. But yeah, I, I think you have to go the tall because we just haven't seen enough of those other guys. They've been they've been too injured.
2: What potential can this group have? Do you think in the ne- in the next year or two? Do they? Do you think they realistically? Um, think they do
0: a
1: Collingwood and
2: a Carlton? You really well say like could they realistically in a couple of years get around the seventh, sixth, fifth kind of
0: spot? Oh, you'd be disappointed if they couldn't. I mean, last year was 11 and 11. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I'm just putting a line through this year. Started poorly, lose a coach, lose hope, everything changes. So from 11 and 11, if you can tack on two more drafts, um, not lose too much, haven't lost too much really at the door. Um, no, significant yeah. an influence. Why can't you get back to 13, 14 wins? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. as early as this year. And still, with that young core coming through, it's a great profile. This list. I, I'm not sitting here saying it's a rebuild. It's, it's, you know, it's oh, not no, no. No. it's not West Coast, it's not Adelaide. It's, it's in that mid-table in terms of list quality um, with star factor players, and give your back line a chance to become star factor defenders. Yeah, that, that, that changes quickly. As soon as Essendon become hard to play against, they'll be winning 14 to 15 games a year.
1: Interesting. Now, there's a there's a player I wanted to get your opinion on, but as to where you would play, him, Nick Cox. You know, you've you've seen him play for a while. He's two hundred and two centimeters or whatever he is. Two
2: hundred, just two hundred, just two
1: hundred. Um, I'll just round him up at Essendon. Um, two hundred centimeters. Uh, left foot, right foot, running around the ground. Uh, we, we don't know where to play him in Essendon. People are saying, do we play him in a key position? Can he be the guy that can help um, right in the forward line? Um, where would you play Nick Cox?
0: Well, I think he only played five games last year. I, I wouldn't play him on a wing. I mean, that's just an up and down, up and back. You get minimal touches. I mean, if they got – I don't know if he's a great left and right kick. I've seen his under-18 stuff and he, and, he, and he could do it there. Yeah. He, hasn't really, he hasn't really shown that he's a he's a Leon Cameron type. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Um, but I always think he's under sheer fatigue. He always looks spent when I see him playing. Um, I'd give him an opportunity across half forward and just tell him to go for his marks. If, if the ball's hanging up there and he thinks he can mark it, go and catch it. Um, okay. Work up the grounds, an extra midfielder, and put and push forward and be, be a different sort of a different sort of. Why can't he be like um, like a Jack Gunston, a little bit of everywhere if you require him that way? Um, but but he's a quality player. He needs to play forward or centre for me.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, can I ask, uh, look, we're,
2: we're, we've got to actually um, wrap it up fairly soon, but can I actually, I've always wanted to ask you this. We're going back to this 69-point comeback, and I'm sorry to do this to you because <laughs> it's it's an evil thing to do. Um, right. I've always just wondered from a North Melbourne perspective where your minds were at, like, quarter time and half time and, and during the game Um you know, just, I'm just. I love football. I'm just, just genuinely curious about you were in that game. Where were you guys? You know, just thinking through the game and 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 sort of what Pagan was kind of saying to you during the game.
0: Uh, look, all I can remember, you don't remember a lot of the specifics, but Wayne didn't play and Mick Martin didn't play. Yeah, two of our two of our stars. You know, Mick was a Mick played on Lourdes every time. You yeah. know, Mick was just a nightmare to play. Was on. <laughs> he was a hard man. He was a hard man and. You know, without Wayne, we were a different team. So we we had that first quarter. We didn't. We couldn't probably believe we had that first quarter, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Um, yeah. And once you lose the handle in a game like that against a free-flowing team like the Bombers, you know, they played some great footy through that period. It's a shame that you only won the one flag, really. It was yeah. a shame that should have, should have won multiple premierships um, in that era and probably just ran into one better. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's hard. It's hard. All I remember is just watching, looking up at the scoreboard, and every time we kicked the goal, it was like we'd, we'd lost another five goals. Was, you know, <laughs> yeah, 12 yeah. goals, we kicked one, look up, hang on, we're 15 behind. Kicking another one, hang on, we're 20 behind. So it was just a, a disaster, a tough day, but gee, it, was a, it was an amazing performance from the Bombers. Jason Johnson. Um, he was unbelievable, yeah. forward of the ball, kicking goals. I still blame Shannon Grant. I still blame Peter Bell. <lost>. Never picked anyone up, Simon. Who, who did
1: you play on of the day?
0: Uh I can't remember. He probably kicked five as well. No, <laughs> I, I used to play on all the small uh you know, Boris Buick and the Shay Cockatoo Collins and, and then I used to go against Rama for a while on the yeah. win there. Were you were you
2: in the game where it was an unbelievable game where Kerry kicked ten and and Lloyd kicked like seven or eight on the Were you, you were in that game? That was an yeah, That yeah, yeah.
0: was just an insane game. Well, were they, the Bombers games. Bombers tried everything to upset Wayne. Yeah, they really did. I remember. Okay. They, I, think, I think it was that game where they set five or six defenders to go and try and rough him up.
2: Was it Barry Young or something? It was, I forget. I, like, it, yeah.
0: I don't think it worked. He, <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> no. Not only did he kick goals, he clubbed them to death with his fists. <laughs> um, yeah, it was good fun. Now it was always a good rivalry, and Sheed's Sheed's built it up beautifully, like no one else could. Um, with the marshmallow stuff, and now we, we enjoyed playing the ball. We used to run in them all the time, all local boys. Yeah, um, come out, you know, they were always jealous of the fact that when we went out, there was twenty of us, and there was you know one or two of them. Um, and I know that was a point of contention, but you guys were so so when you were when you were brilliant, you were just so good to watch that, yeah. that two thousand series that that season I should say was uh, just off the charts. So it was yeah, it was a good good rivalry, yeah. um, but you probably had the better of us. But left us a couple of flags, so I'll just leave you with that. <laughs> just, just a couple of and
1: you left us 99. So well, I, I must admit that from all of the from all the other teams we've always we've all watched growing up as boys and stuff like that. I must admit, there's there's a couple of players from the North Melbourne Football Club that I would have, and I, I say this genuinely, that I would have in my team uh, to save my life. I mean, Wayne Wayne Carey, great find. He's one of the best, if not the best ever. But I would have in my team across halfback, a first player I would pick out of Essendon and North Melbourne, for that matter, is Glenn Archer. Um, Mm. He would be in my team, first picked, first words out of my mouth. Um, But you would be on the other halfback flank.
0: Mate, no, you're, you're, you would have Hardwick. Uh nah, have been,
1: look, I, there would
0: be you and
1: your run off um, halfback. back. Of <laughs> I, I reckon I'd find a spot for wangers.
0: I think that's the beauty of, of the battles that we had. Yeah. yeah. You know, both well-stocked, you know, all experienced, not too many. I mean, you, you come through the 93 baby bombers thing, but yep. we're talking about 97, 98, 99, that sort, yeah. of, that sort of period. They were, they were good days. It was, it was probably the best foot he's been, um, but we, we, we hope both clubs can get back there soon. I think you blokes are a fair way in front of us.
2: I was just going to ask you a final question. Where, where are you sitting with, what's, with where your club's at? Um, you know, how, how's the last couple of weeks kind of uh, felt uh, with, with your club?
0: Yeah, oh, it breaks your heart, really. I, I know there's so many working so hard to, to get it sorted. You know, Sonia Hood and Brady Rawlings, all these guys doing a truckload of work. And it's just getting harder for them week on week, really, with all the news that comes through. First, Alistair's yeah. uh, situation and then the big wonders you know, of last year, Jason North francis yeah. saying, "I it just breaks your heart. But it, it, it won't affect the passion of the North Melbourne fans. This is, this is who we are. We, we embrace the struggle. And if you don't want to be part of it like Jason doesn't, well, we say, see you later, move on. We, we go get our next uh, set of troops that, that want to be there and want to charge forward with us. Uh, and you blokes are the same. Yeah. You can't cry over spilt milk in this game. You just got, you just no. got to get on with it. And
2: oh, we, we lost Joe Danahar Saad, McKenna, all in one year, <laughs> and yeah. Fantasia. And you, know, and, you know, I was actually going to bring that up originally when you were talking about Dodoro. Like, you got to factor in how the clubs let players out the door as well that he's recruited. Yeah. Um, uh, I know Joe's a father-son, but you got to factor those in uh, as yeah. well. So, all right, thank you so much. You've been... Uh, Absolutely awesome, mate. I, I can't, I can't appreciate it enough.
0: Keep up the good work, boys. Fans love this sort of stuff, and uh, give us a yell middle of next year. Look, I'll come on again. If you're ten and zero, I won't come on. <laughs> if you're sort of 50-50, give me a yell. <laughs>
1: yeah, <That's right>. Beautiful, <laughs> mate. Thank you very much. We really appreciate your time. We know the the listeners are going to love it. Good on you, boys. Thank you, David. Thanks, mate. And welcome back for the lunchtime catch-up podcast. Well, that'd be lunchtime. Welcome to the lunchtime catch-up podcast. Great interview there with David King. Um, yeah. Really generous with his time. Incredible insights um, that two hundred forty-one odd games will give you, um, and many, many more on uh, on his role on Foxtel. So, a massive thank you to David.
2: No, he's a ripper guy. Uh, like we talked to him before and after the, you know. Yeah, that was really cool. It was like I really, really appreciate appreciated coming on and for forty minutes and absolutely. And speaking like you sort of said at the beginning of
1: it, speaking from a non Essendon fan point of view, person with a lot of
2: experience in the I wasn't AFL. expecting it to be that positive. I'll be a blood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if, if, and you know, obviously, we've played. We've, we've. He's obviously going that our you know how we're playing is uh, the, the issue, but. I was was surprised how upbeat he was with the list. Um, I'm sure there'll be other people that all have their, there'll be lots of comments and ideas from this one, but that's his view. (laughs) Personally, I would like to also point out the fact that if you
1: haven't uh, listened to it yet, uh, you will have, if you're listening to this, that was silly grant. Um, The debate on Adrian Dodoro is officially over. I (laughs) I no longer need to debate uh, that with anybody. I will be referring them to this episode of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast (laughs) moving forward. It couldn't have been more perfectly put by another person than the way uh, um, David and his knowledge of the last... I look forward to all the comments of what the hell is Grant thinking. It can't even possibly be any more comments because it was perfectly put <laughs> that he is a legend and always shall remain. So um, so wrapping up, Scotty, uh, yeah, people so- may or may not know that you went to the Crichton Metal last night.
2: Yes. Did you say metal? But, uh, I can't metal. talk at the moment. It's uh, a bit weird. Yeah, went to uh, Best and Ferris last night. Uh, yeah, it was a really good night. Um, heard from the new CEO who, uh, <laughs> who's, who's now left the building. Um, not the CEO. So, um, yeah, so, uh, but Brad Scott really spoke well. Uh, I liked his little challenge about how you turn up day one of pre-season will tell me a story. Uh, looking at the players right in front yeah. of him. So uh but he's not gonna be shy is he? No, he's gonna be a different style of yeah. person, which I'm actually kind of embracing if I'm being blunt. Um yeah, so it would look it was a good night. Uh I had Peter Wright in my top three, so I'm not too far off. Uh but I did think Mason Redwin may sneak home. But uh he came fourth with a little bit of surprise there, but because uh I don't know if I saw Matt Guelphie as third, even though I really appreciated the year he had, I just didn't have him anywhere near above Redmond. That's that's just my personal view. But Peter Wright, uh, we you know, we've spoken on the show. It's not just the 53 goals. I actually thought he competed well in the ruck. Uh, I thought he was competing well in every game. Like he was constantly kicking two or three goals. He was just never totally out of a game. And that's considering some pretty bad ball use coming down down his way and uh, his contested marking has improved out of sight. And with Peter Wright, there's no mistakes. There's, you know, you know, the guys like me and Knackers and a few other guys who who go down to pre-season and and watch these guys train from sort of, you know, December to Feb. He works his butt off. He absolutely works his butt off and has so many one-on-one sessions to improve his marking, his timing of his marking. Uh, He does a lot of goal-kicking practice and – to see him go from, what, 28, 29 goals last year to 53 uh, and win, win the Crichton medal it was a magnificent effort and, and it was quite touching. He was quite emotional about it um, considering his journey and he was a lost man in the Gold Coast Sun and, and we picked him up. For a fourth round selection that was actually passed by the team we gave it to. So uh, that was, it's the epitome of getting someone for nothing, and he's now your best and fairest. So
1: thank you. Yes, I know what you're going to say. Thank you <laughs> to.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Dodoro.
1: Thanks to Adrian Dodoro. Anywho.
2: Yeah, so it was, look, it was a good night. Um, was there any major surprises? I think, you know, I know there was a few injuries, but probably didn't bode well for the midfield. Um, you didn't really Injuries
1: have... Injuries at the
2: Crichton. <laughs> Did some people have Injuries during the year. So okay. I'm more thinking the midfield. So, you know, I think only one, two, three, four. So only one midfielder really in the top eight, unless you, you count sort of um, Nick Martin as a possible midfielder, yep. but uh, wingman slash forward. But really you, you're Parrish, Sheel, McGrath, uh, Stringer, Perkins, Colwell, Durham... All kind of outside that, so that's the area of improvement because they are talented guys. Uh, so that's where Brad Scott, you know, interesting. I, I hope that kind of spurs them on a bit that when they see that count and, mm. and say, well, you know, none of only merits in the top eight. Uh, so yeah, you hope that it's, but look, I will say he only played twelve games, uh, but he got a hundred and what twenty-one votes. Zerk Thatcher. So it the was BZT, mate. Yeah, Truckee loved him. So uh, he did his – there's a lot of did you do your role kind of count. Yeah. And we've said this even with Snelling coming third yep. and Langford's come yeah. fourth or third. Uh, it seems to be the way they kind of judge is how you've done your role. Do they win –
1: like does Snelling and Langford win you a game? Probably not. Is BZT going to win you a game? Probably not. But I think you're right. The, the count is based on – what, what what did you do? What was your you task for the day? That's yeah. exactly right. And I think the more of them, the better. The more players we have that know what their role is really clearly and that they set out to do it, the better the better we're gonna be, in my opinion. And I and I think from the interview with um with David, um the list is in a good position. Um and he's dispassionate sort of um AFL person, the list is in a good position. And the likes of seeing a BZT come through, having a breakout year. And I still, I still to this day, hold that Laverde and Ridley, especially in our back line, are much, much, much better footballers than we saw this year. Because the ball just kept coming in there willy-nilly without any um, control whatsoever by the Essendon Footy Club. And when you've got Ridley playing his his position that where he should be running in front of PAX – and you've got the Verde playing a lot better and BZT coming through. Great. We're going to be a lot better next year.
2: I, I will say David King made a good point. They've still got to look at how they do La Verde because there's no doubt in four or five games he was undersized and it felt like he was undersized. But is that because we're undersized in the back? We don't yeah, have Well, That's what I mean. Like we the, need yeah. to find maybe a – But why not Jimmy Stewart? Well – it depends if you, you think that experiment worked or not. So it's kind of, it but kind wouldn't of wouldn't it be better
1: as an option than than like at least the size.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's still gonna be good at it. I don't it's, it's like it was fifty fifty to me. I, I think Zerk, I think Zerk thatcher is your one that you might. I think because Zerk needs to get stronger. I, I, like hmm. if I had a you know if I had a little bit of a a, a challenge to Zerk is that year on year he's similar size. Yeah. And this is the time to get into the weights a bit, um, because he's got the height, and
1: especially if he's going to flick a switch and become a good footballer, yeah, then
2: don't don't let
1: yourself down about being monstered by uh, Charlie Dixon or somebody like that. Mm. Um, if he can put on three or four or five kegs, worth of decent muscle, then he could be very handy down the back for us. But I just think, yeah, it's interesting for me that they had Jake Kelly playing on um, Charlie Dixon for a small period of time. They put Laverde on
2: him. They had, yeah, we, I, I we'll don't co- understand we'll that. We're regularly undersized. And, and yeah. um, but, you know, if, if Laverde was the next step down, I think you would get a really good Laverde. Absolutely, and, yeah. You know, who plays on the – uh, it's a slightly smaller forward but
1: like and also not the monsters like the gunstons and the those McKay guys that, and all that yeah, yeah those the not the massive monsters that and the the people that um are just going to take brute force marks that's when we get Ridley running in front of Pax and we get Laverde taking the third defender or the sorry the third the, the third offensive player yeah so there's there's a hell of a lot to improve next year
2: yeah it was, look it's a big year Look, I, I know it's trade week, and, and you know, I, I and I know zero. Sorry, do you so know anything, Scott? Cause no, I don't know anything. I'll be honest. I've been so head to get work. I just haven't had too much of a focus as the I whispers. normally do. Um, but it doesn't look, you know, even um, the Melbourne game, James. Um, oh my my brother, the
1: guy, what's his name? Uh, Harms. Yeah, Harms
2: so, so yeah, so that doesn't looks like that fell through. Uh, I did know he toured the club last week, but. That seems to have fallen through. We're still waiting on uh, Bose to see what his decision is.
1: be a very brave decision to choose Essendon.
2: Yeah, but I keep hearing from people I talk to, as far as more in the media industry, that that Geelong's the favourites. But yeah. it's a person, so they they still make their own decision. They, anyone can change their mind. So they, I'm pretty sure he toured the club the day before. Um, so we'll see what that happens. That would be obviously a great result, but. It still feels like the cat's are favourite. So, you know, obviously Francis is, looks like he's going to go to the Swans, which uh, I think is a really good outcome for him. Yeah, all the best uh, to him. Uh, so all the best to him. Uh, uh, I think Sydney's really good – would be a really good program for him. Uh,
1: Someone like Paddy McCartan and yeah, him yeah. are going to probably be best mates. Yeah. Two, two high
2: draft picks. They will half um, annoy me if he becomes a really good gun. Uh, but uh, but and that's the
1: thing. He may you watch that right boot next time we play Sydney. It could be very very damaging. He could be taking a lot of marks in front of packs, and it will hurt. <laughs> it really will hurt.
2: So yeah, there's, but there's, there's there's not much movement. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, they said Ham was talking to one or two clubs, but I don't know if that eventuated. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, the, there was a talk that Wiedemann was talking to Essendon. I don't know how that's where that's at. So it's, it's, it's all just a bit of focusing up, on yeah.
1: pick number four and pick 20, whatever we've yeah. got.
2: And it feels like, yeah, we're more draft central. Uh, yeah, that's, that's
1: fine. Um, let's talk about the, um, whoop, and Scotty's got a phone call. Um, the, uh, what do you mean? Still hear that Scotty? Um, <laughs> that's,
2: yeah, that's just that's go with the name. Which
1: I believe that's a knackers. That's knackers. Okay. There you go. Knackers,
2: if you can hear this, stop it.
1: Yes. <laughs> when you, when you're listening to this, <laughs> stop bringing us, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, let's, let's concentrate on the draft, man. Let's concentrate on pick four, which will probably become pick six. Um, and then the Davy boys. We're getting a pair of Davies maybe at the end of this um, at this draft um, who will be very handy running around in a forward line. Our, um, our forward line becomes a lot more uh, just dangerous. I almost <laughs> wanted to use the word deadly. Because we've got um, Wanganine and the pair of Davy boys running around in the forward line, looks very nice. Thanks very much.
2: Yeah, well, oh, that's it. I mean, that's the the positive is that well, <laughs> we'll get younger, but yeah, we will, <laughs> won't we? Like significantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, um, but yeah, it's obviously small forward. We thought we could have really improved that area. That's going to happen, uh, but again, you know. You're talking 18-year-olds. So you've got to put your realistic hat on yeah. and go, these guys are going to be developed still. So it's it, – it annoyingly does sound like to me it's still a bit of patience. It has um, to be. It's um, got to be. If you're the youngest list, list in the AFL, that's just reality. Yep. That's just reality. Absolutely. So what What can you do And you just hope – I mean, I think most Essendon fans just want authentic change. So if Brad Scott you know, and Dave Barham and all them, if they can actually – do a process that has authentic change that is a consistent year-on-year program that's mature that's relentless that that has teams going out with much more consistency and effort and that we you know your your chance every week and and so that I think that just want a much more mature program to to have us to be you know eligible for finals every year year on year um it can happen because we're The team that won the grand finals has been doing it for almost two decades. Yeah, absolutely. And and the Swans are not far behind. So it's just just, they're the ones I kind of envy those programs and I just hope that we can somehow start to work our way towards that kind of program and we'll see. So thank you, David King, again. Awesome chat.
1: Massive. Um, Check him out on Foxtel, obviously. Everybody sees him every weekend, but check him out on Foxtel. Um, So thank you very much, David.
2: Next pod, no, nothing specifically planned. Um, no, we'll do a few, like, we're, I'm doing a few little one-on-one sessions maybe for the Patreons. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a, a little bit of a different theme for the Patreons. So. We've got a
1: Patreon, by the way, Scotty. Did you know that? Yes. $3, $3 a month. $3 a month. Patreon.com forward slash lunchtime catch up. Come and check it out. During the season, it's eight shows a month. Eight additional shows by me and Scott um, for $3 a month. So uh, come and check us out on Patreon. We've got, like Scotty said, we've got some exclusive um, yeah, ex- content. Yeah, we have
2: Ron Conley on yeah. uh, during the week. So we're just, I'm just going to have uh, try and reach out to a few in the industry and just have these little odd uh, weekly kind of one-on-one chats and, yeah. and just, uh, yeah. So that, that will sort of kick start off in the, in the off-season. So feel free to join. Uh, no pressure at all. So all right. thank you, everyone. Have a uh, great rest of the trade week. Let's hope we can have some good news. Let's hope we can settle as the club.
1: Pinch somebody and, yeah, settle at the club.
2: So good luck to the new CEO. Hopefully you don't have any sort of side No, you background. just apparently you're just – hopefully you don't leave the house.
1: When you go home, you just, just go home and do nothing. That's
2: it. Yes. Uh, so good luck to the club on that one. But, uh, yeah, talk soon, everyone, and go Bombers. Bye-bye.